0: You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it.
1: But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich what it's really describing is how god is the creative force behind the whole universe he's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life and so all these abilities they make god utterly unique which is the meaning of the word holy so a helpful way to think about god's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful as the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy.
0: Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So
0: God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground and Moses covers his face in fear and God says, hey, don't come any closer, it's intense. It's
1: actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place, the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple, or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is
0: dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So, how is it supposed to work? Well,
1: in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So, like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified.
0: Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there and he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. (laughs) Totally. So it
1: flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is
0: atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development. This time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive.
0: So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know until we meet
1: this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure. People with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies.
0: Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision.
1: Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple. So that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So
0: this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. but. Where is this all heading?
1: So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life.
0: We believe the Bible is one complete narrative.
2: Soul clapper. That was like. <laughs> that was worth a clap. You guys, we watch that soul clappers. <laughs> uh good morning. <laughs> We um, did start this series in January, and we started with this video. It was 11 weeks ago. Can you believe it? It's amazing. And we, we've been on this journey to know him, to get to know God, and to be in relationship with him. Um, and today we're doing kind of a full circle thing. We're back to this concept of holiness. Now that we've learned a lot about him, about his names and how he interacts with people, we need to come back to this topic um I, I feel like this is my nemesis. <laughs> it's the clicker that does the slides. Did it. <laughs> totally did it. So you guys, then Yahweh told Moses, "I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Today, we're going to journey with the Israelites as God brings them out of Egypt, and we're going to see this promise of, a, you know, this special, spacious land that is not a place of their slavery anymore. We're going to watch what happens there. Does that sound good? So last week, we talked about this, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves, and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk upright, upside up, right? Last week we talked about being sideways, we had Liam laying on the ground, if you didn't catch that um, sermon last week, it's online, so it's kind of part one to today, but you can do them in different orders, we're good like that, right, Kevin? <laughs> but, you know, we think we're upright, but we're not. We're sideways. And our thinking gets twisted because we're sideways. And we work out our lives in this way of having um, the knowledge of good and evil. Now we know I can do good things to please people, and I can do bad things to hurt people, and, and I can even do good things and hope that you love me and miss the mark And so all of my efforts can end up in total loneliness anyway. And we have this like mentality, right? It's this slavery mentality. And what flows out of our lives then is comparison, judgment, self-esteem issues. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, like all of these things that flow out of that life. And God gives us this incredible gift. He sets us upside up, upright, righteous, That's what that word means, righteous. So that's what we did last week. You guys remember that? It was just a recap. We all on track? Okay. I would like the story to go like this And God saw their suffering, and He came, and He rescued them, and He brought them out of Egypt, and then He supernaturally transported them to the promised land. And they were complete and whole and restored and healed and full of like the right way of, of thinking and treating other people, and their relationships were excellent, and they lived happily ever after. Wouldn't that be so good? Yes. No, that's not what we get. <laughs> so I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. Not the promised land, the wilderness. It feels like a little bit of a bait and switch because God said to them, through Moses, he said, I see your oppression, and I'm giving you a promise. I'm going to give you a land where you can live and not be slaves anymore. And they are like, okay, we're in. And then he leads them out of Egypt. You guys, they've been in slavery for 400 plus years, Okay? They know about this God because he is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But he hasn't been their God because they've been in slavery. And they haven't known him. And all they know now is, oh, the God of our forefathers has heard our cries and he's pulling us out. And they march out of Egypt. You know, guys, this is before Google Maps. They couldn't, like, well, let's just see what it's going to look like. There was no way they had been in slavery. They had no idea what was out there. (coughs) Excuse me, anybody else fighting the little spring tickle? I know. They came out into, surprise, wilderness. And it frustrated them. Wouldn't it frustrate you? Hasn't it frustrated you? God has come into your life. He's set you upside up. We sang that amazing song this morning about Everything that Jesus has done to set us free, and we still struggle with the same junk we always struggled with. I'm still battling my thought life. I'm still battling my knee-jerk reactions to people. I'm still like, I'm still. It's like I'm still a slave. But I know I'm upside up. I know I'm looking into His face. But things have not been taken care of, right? I just feel like God would take care of that stuff. I mean, haven't you heard stories of people? So uh, my church at home, there was a story that I was very young, so I didn't see it. But this is the the story, and apparently it's true. I'm just realizing now that I was so young, I have no way to verify it. But I'm just going to present it because it was like the story of our little a little church. There was a man who who met Jesus gave his life to him, and wanted to get water baptized. But our church back then made you wear white when you got water baptized, okay? And he was just terrified that when the white T-shirt got wet that you would see his highly offensive tattoo through the shirt. When he came up out of the water, it had been washed away. And we love that. We love that story, right? But that is not what God gives every single element of our life. Some people come out of the water free from addiction, or some people come out and they've been loosed from their anger bondage. You know, there are things where this, this is true, we see God, like, give us a real good leg up on things, right? But there are things that nag and hang on. Anyone else? We are just sometimes so human. You know? Um... I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules, by which, if a person does them, he shall live. Wait a minute. Last week, we talked about how there's nothing you can do to earn righteousness. Didn't we say that? There's nothing. It is a love gift from God. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. (laughs) Apparently, Apparently, I'm done with this. That was not a mic drop. That was a tech drop. You guys, what is this? He sets us upside up, doesn't require us to do anything to earn it, and then slaps us with rules? Weird. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am Yahweh Makadesh, The one who sanctifies you, makes you holy. Righteousness is not the end of the story. It's the beginning. The gift of righteousness does not instantly propel us into full maturity in Christ, into full freedom from sin, straight to the promised land. That's not a thing, right? We're seeing this now, right? Righteousness is the foundation of our walk with God, and it's a long walk with God, isn't it? And we keep walking and we keep walking, and that's what we're talking about today. After righteousness, what comes next? You ready? Does it sound good? There's a, um, in front of you, there's paper and pens in the packets or on the, not in the packets, right, Adam, it's like sitting on the thing. If you want to take notes, today's a good day to take them. We're going to cruise through a lot of scriptures and a lot of content because this thing that we're going to talk about, this long walk with God, is basically this. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. So if you want to jot down things, just in case we buzz by them real quick. All right, Becca, so excited you're praying for us. When Becca Jo asked me who I wanted to pray for this morning, can I confess what I said? Somebody close so I don't have the awkward time of having to talk while you walk the microphone to them. And then I just used it up anyway, Becca Jo. It could have been someone in the back row, apparently, but I wouldn't have had the story to tell. This is the the rub. Thank you. It's such a struggle. (laughs) Thank you, Becca. Pray for us.
1: God, I just thank you so much that we can come into your presence as we are. God, that you are a redeemer. I just pray over this message today, God, that you would redeem our thoughts and how we see you and how we know you. And God, I just pray for um, for Union Gospel Mission. God, that you would be with them as they um, come to know who you really are and how you can mm. be in their lives. And God, I just um, ask that you would
2: do something new in ours today as well, God. Mm. Amen. Mm, amen. For I am Yahweh, who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you must be holy, because I am holy. This is not a concept we talk about in everyday life, except like for like an adjective for expletives sometimes, like, holy Moses, or like, <laughs> holy cow, holy, holy cats, somebody weird once said. It was me. Um, so <laughs> Holy, holiness. This is not something we really talk about. And actually, in the States, you have even like a greater disadvantage than I did because I'm from a country that has a monarchy. So I understand the concept of kingship and queenship, and it's, it's kind of absent from the culture here. So there really is not much talk about holiness. The closest thing, Okay. <laughs> Anybody my age see Drop Dead Fred? Yeah. It's a movie? <laughs> okay. Drop Dead Fred is this ridiculous movie. Don't waste your time. I'm going to recap it for you and you'll be just as happy. Okay. <laughs> it's this girl whose marriage falls apart and she moves, a lady, and she moves home and her childhood imaginary friend comes back. But now he's grown up and he's naughty. Like so. Bad, and her mother has a formal sitting room. Anyone else? Do you know what I'm talking about? Did your grandparents or somebody in your life have, Jenny's laughing because she had one. I remember your special sitting room in your house. So drop dead Fred gets mud and stuff all over his boots and he handstands in and he like hand hand walks into the house and she's like, no, 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 because no one else can see him because he's pretend. Get it? And then he like smears the mud all over the room, jumps on the couch, like gets it everywhere, and she has to reap the consequences because he's not real. (laughs) Okay. But we have this concept of holiness, I think, that's kind of like that. It's like there's this special room. Don't walk in that room. That's for guests. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Formal dining rooms. What is that? formal dining rooms for the formal days. We don't have what formal days? <laughs> Christmas, Easter, and Aunt Susan's birthday. Like, that's kind of it. You bring out the fine china, you set the perfect table, and you tell your small children, you break this plate, I break you. <laughs> Do you come on. It's the fine china. I think we have this concept about holiness that is kind of like this weird, separate, not normal, and kind of scary scenario. What does holiness look like in our lives if that's our view of it? You know what I mean? Or if we think God is holy, and that's our view of holy, what do we think of God? He's weird, separate, don't dirty him, don't crack him. Don't offend him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Our view of holiness will shape what we believe of God, and it will shape our relationship with him. If you think that holiness is fine china, then you think holiness is offendable, breakable, corruptible, delicate. And holiness is powerful and robust, isn't it? Holiness transformed the world. Holiness is not. Do you know what I'm saying? So let's talk about this holiness thing. What else is holiness? Let's think about who God is, the names of God that we've been studying. What would you say? Fierce? I think holiness is fierce. I love that image of the sun tours. (laughs) Did you see that? Fly a little close to the sun and pshh. Holiness is fierce. Yeah. What else? Pure. Pure. (coughs) Kind. Mighty. Mighty. Separate. Separate. Dependable. Different to us, right? Constant. Yeah, no shadow of turning in God. Continent. Light that can break through any darkness, no matter what it is. Holiness. I think holiness is like a magnet that draws us in, not a force that drives us away. What else? Is it an unobtainable standard that you can't reach no matter how hard you try? Because we're not talking about righteousness. That's a gift to you. But what about holiness? What do you have to do to meet that standard? And how often do you fail and then it lead to shame? That is not holiness. It is not a carrot that God dangles out in front of you. In fact, you guys, this is a word that I feel like God gave us today. Holiness is your original identity. You are not striving to become holy. You are being remade holy. Because he made you in his image. And he is holy. And so this journey with him is about you becoming you again. Being free from the junk that has built itself onto you, this slavery mindset, the knowledge of good and evil, judgment, shame, pride, comparison, overreacting, you know, these stories that we have in our minds, God just wants to break them off us and, and reform us to holiness again. That changes it, right? It's not an impossible standard. It's you becoming you again. That's a different journey. True? True. You're made in His image. All right. We're going to do tenses of salvation. Here we go, Kevin. Are you ready? Tenses of salvation. (laughs) This is worth a little, like, pause on our message to talk about. So the word salvation has multiple meanings in the word. It's used in many ways. Are you ready? Do you need to, like, shake it off and get... Do whatever you need to do to like, this is like school. So, here are the tenses of salvation. We were saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. Same word, three tenses. We were saved from our sideways life. And we were made righteous. We were freed from Egypt. We were brought out. We were set free by the blood of Jesus. It's done. We were saved. You're saved. If you accept Jesus, that's done. You were saved. Okay? We will be saved. We will be taken to eternity with God. We will be transformed from this world. We will be completely made holy in that moment when we see him face to face. And for eternity, we'll be with him. We will be saved. Jesus is coming again. He's coming back for us and we will be saved. Has that happened yet? No. We will be saved. It's going to happen in the future. So we were saved. We will be saved. They're both salvation. Okay? This middle part, this long wandering journey in the wilderness, is we are being saved. We're being made into his image, we're being transformed into holiness. We are being, today, we are being saved. We were saved could also be called justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. Upside up. No effort on my own. All I have to do is say yes. Wrapped in that exoskeleton of righteousness that we talked about last week. Okay? The middle part is also called sanctification. Yahweh Mekadesh. I am the one who sanctifies you, who makes you holy. That's this. This we will be saved could also be called glorification. We will be made glorious. It's amazing. No effort involved in this one except saying yes. No effort involved here except being kind of ready, right? Ready for him. Lots of effort involved here in the middle. So today we're talking about this. I was going to say this big middle. I think we all have a big middle. Maybe we just need to remember a big middle. Does that make sense, guys? Also, let's just say this is the gradual healing of dysfunction in our lives because we were slaves, and even though we've been brought out, do you know what we still think like? Slaves. It is just sticky, that slavery mentality. It just sticks, sticks, sticks. It's very hard to shake off. And we're going sh- to see a story today of what the Israelites did and, and let it hit your heart. It's us too. <laughs> if we think we wouldn't have done the same thing, we have done it. We do do it. We've done it today. We're going to do it all afternoon. It's tricky. Um, also, we could also call this like discipleship, couldn't we? It's discipleship. It's like this big middle. and I keep, like, dancing in the middle here. It's what our lives are. All right. I do want to read some verses. So we're going to do Philippians 1, six, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So I want you to anchor this conversation in this understanding that Yahweh Mekadesh, he is the one that sanctifies you. This is not works, right? This is not earning salvation. This is teeming with him. He is at work in your life. Partner with him, and he's faithful. So even when you're not faithful, he's got you covered. Okay, do you hear that? Let it soak in. Let's do Hebrews 10:14. Yes, Hebrews 10, 14. Oh, you guys, this is such a good verse. I love it. this, may actually be my new fave. I know. But listen, I'm gonna read it three times because it's a bit ready. For by that one offering, Jesus' death, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Okay. For by that one offering, He forever made perfect, righteousness. Those who are being made holy, sanctification. For by that one offering, He forever made you perfect, you who He's making holy. Isn't that awesome? It's both. All right, finally... Hebrews, I was like, Hebrews 10, I just want to do 10, but you guys, 11, 12, they're really good. So we're going to go through 13, because I just can't stop, because that's the kind of book Hebrews is. For our earthly fathers disciplined us, remember, disciple, discipline, sanctification. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. That's truth, isn't it? (laughs) best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. True. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceable, peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Peaceful harvest of right living. So, You're made righteous and you start walking out sanctification, that fruit of righteousness, that seed of righteousness grows up in your life and it becomes a harvest. It's really cool. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So that's what we're doing today, guys. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees because we're coming out of Egypt and we're going into the wilderness because it is good because in that process, we will know God and we will be set free. He could, you guys, he could skip the wilderness. He could have relocated Israel into the promised land he's done it actually in other parts of the Bible where people were instantly transported to other regions this is not beyond his scope Yahweh he does stuff right he can do all the things true there's a reason why he took them through the wilderness okay you ready to talk about it very quiet thank you Larry Here's what happened next. Oh, here's our spoiler alert. <laughs> this is what it's all about. Are you ready?
0: <clears throat>
2: Becca Joe, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got really deep, I'm so sorry. Yes, yes. We're ready. Moses called the nation of Israel together and told them, you have seen with your own eyes everything Yahweh did in the land of Egypt. Here's one key for us. The wilderness is so we can see him with our own eyes. And the way that happens is in the backdrop of difficulty. How do you know he is the one fighting for you? Because there's a fight. Without a fight, you would never know that. True? How do you know that he is your provider? Because there is lack, and then he provides. If you don't experience the wilderness, you won't see with your own eyes that God is who he says he is. You guys, when I want to get my kid a gift, I can just give them a gift, just hand them the promised land, and they're excited for a good 20 minutes. My children are so spoiled, and you know, they have no respect for the things I give them. They just, so sad any other parents in the room feel that way? You're like, oh. But you know what would change that? Is if I partnered with them and said, I'll pay 50-50 with you, my friend. And they had to earn it. You know what I mean? They had to walk through that long wait. And in the, in the meantime, I'm getting to have a relationship with them. I'm matching them dollar for dollar. I'm encouraging them I'm talking to them about the things in life that matter and what doesn't matter and setting your eyes on the right things and not getting distracted. You know what I'm saying? By the time they get that toy, it's beloved to them. It means more than just the toy. It represents relationship and growth. Is that a weird, like cheesy example to use? But that's what I feel like God is doing. He could pick you up and plonk you and set you free, and I just don't think you would understand how great that is. True? We'd just be like robots. Oh, yeah, I love God. (laughs) I don't know why. I just do. He doesn't brainwash us and make us grateful. He proves himself to us, right? He walks with us through the hardest times, and we're transformed by it. Have I convinced you yet? Everything Yahweh did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to his servants and to his whole country, all the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs and the amazing wonders, none of those would have existed if they hadn't been in that context, right? He has even told you, for 40 years I, Yahweh, led you through the desert. Your clothes and your sandals didn't wear out. P.S., That's not normal. They probably didn't know that that's not normal. So he reminded them. And I gave you special food. I did these things so you would realize that I am your God, Yahweh, Elohim. But Yahweh must give you a change of heart before you truly understand what you have seen and heard That last sentence, that sums up sanctification, doesn't it? You have to have a change of heart. You have to not be like a slave anymore, right? You have to be able to see and understand what he's done. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, so here's what happened. They've been in slavery, they get rescued out of the land and given a promise. So until now, all they've known is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who did all the stories we know because they were a a, a verbal histories um, people. And so these things were passed down and passed down and passed down. They all knew the stories. They all did. They just didn't really believe it because 400 years of slavery is a long time. Okay. Now they know One thing out of their own experience. Yahweh rescues people. Gives them a promise for a new life. That's what they know. Good? Okay. (laughs) Oh, you guys. They didn't really know anything, did they? They knew nothing at this point. They're so cute. When Pharaoh finally let the people go... God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Have you ever felt that way in your life where you're like, I see a quicker route, God? Why are you dragging time on this? Here's why. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Man, we do that, don't we? This is too hard. I've changed my mind. I know I, I know I said I wanted to, like, be used by God, but it's too hard. I've changed my mind, and I'll just go back to ignoring God. That was easier. We do it. So God, in his mercy, led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Read this last line. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. What? What? Hang on. There was a short route. Just required a battle. They were equipped for battle, but God led them the long way. Why? They were equipped for battle and they didn't know it. They had the God of angel armies leading them into battle and they didn't know it. He is mighty to save and they didn't know it. One of the translations says, and they came up out of Egypt in battle formation. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you guys. How much do we live that way? We don't even know what God's deposited in our lives. Our fears decide that we are not those things. And so we go the long way, and that's a mercy from the Lord. Do you see? He didn't, like, smite them with boils over anger because he does that. He's done it. He just did it to the Egyptians. No, there was a mercy in this. He knew that it would take some time. Guys, God knows it's going to take you some time. It's a beautiful gift, isn't it? Okay. Here's what happened next. They were led by pillars of fire and smoke. So now they know God is present and kinda weird. (laughs) Not like them, not human. (laughs) Double-sided tape, I need some. Um, You know, they're not human. He's not human. He's not like them. God could have come in a human form and walked among them. He's done it before. But he's trying to show them, I am present, and you don't get me at all. But they followed. The Red Sea parted for crossing. So what do they know now? Oceans obey this one. (laughs) What? Walls of water that they walked on through? and then collapse down and drown others? You want this God on your side. That's what they know now. Don't be on the other side. And do you know what the response was? Dancing and singing. That's not something they would have gotten to do as slaves very often. Spontaneous worship, because they're seeing God with their eyeballs, right? They're seeing it with their own minds. It's amazing. Then they go to Mara waters to sweet. This is what Robert led us in, right? God is our healer. He turns the bitter things into sweet things. And they discovered that God could do the impossible in their own lives. And then they were hangry and kind of whiny about it. And God gave them manna from heaven and quail. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? That's what manna is, the translation is, what is it? Hey, can you pass me the, what is it? We don't have a word for it. Pass me that thingy, that stuff, stuff. You know that stuff we eat? What is it? I don't know. That's what it, they called it, thingamajig. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which Yahweh has given you to eat. You guys, number 11 is probably my favorite one of my favorite um, passages to study because it's so hilarious. (laughs) The riffraff among the people because it wasn't just Israelites that came out of Egypt. Others went with them. Very interesting, right? The riffraff among the people had a craving and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free. It was such a good deal in Egypt. We had fish and it was free. So weird. To say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons, because they're in the desert, right? And they're like, all the liquidy foods, melon. And leeks and onions and garlic. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna. What is it? What is it? What is it? That's all we get. there are things in my life that God brings and I say, what is this? It's not what I prayed for. I asked you for sustenance and meat and like good things, you are a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. I'm trusting in you. What is this? What is this? I'm not happy. The things God gives us are called provision for the vision. Provision in the wilderness doesn't make you want to set up camp and stay there. Because you're not supposed to. He puts things in your life that move you. If you think he's gonna give you things that belong in the promised land, think again. It's not his goal to give you a taste of the promised land while you're stuck in the wilderness? Because you will stay there. You will. They would have. You know, it's funny. We end up craving the old because we know there's a promise coming and what God gives us is not that. And so we look and go, he said I'd get that, I got this, I'd prefer that. I mean, is good. It tastes like honey porridge. I mean, it's okay. But melons. And we trade the future for the old so quickly. Don't we, guys? Man. Have hope if you have something in your life that makes you go, what is God doing? Where is he? What is this? Have hope. He's doing something. All right, let's keep, keep traveling with our friends, our besties that we're so much like. I love it, I love the and we got it for free. <laughs> yeah, because you were slaves, and they fed you like meager rations. Yeah, but those fish bones were excellent. Like I feel like they're imagining things that aren't real. <laughs> You know, Oh, man, I do that. All right, so manna, bread, and quail. Then he talked to them about honoring the Sabbath. And now they know that God sets a day aside to be holy for worship and rest. And he provided double manna so they could do that. They still weren't happy about that, though. And then water from a rock. They were thirsty. They were dying of thirst. And water came from a dry rock. God brings life from nothing. And they're learning it with their own eyes, right? Amalek defeated. So this was another week we studied. The Lord is my banner. Remember, Moses held his arms up. Anytime they were up, they would win. Anytime they dropped, they would start to not win. And so, start to not win. Lose, there's the word. Um, And so the guys held his arms up. That's that story, right? We're still in transit with them. Then the commandments and the laws were given. So remember, righteousness is not based on anything we do. But do you know what slaves do after they're set free from rigid slavery? Weird things. (laughs) Because they don't know anything. My husband used to work in the children's prison system. And kids would re-offend to get back in. Because they couldn't do life outside of the structure. We're kind of like that. So we need commandments and laws. And again, this is not to earn our position with God. We don't do stuff to please Him. But do you know what it does, these commandments and laws? You're not Egyptian and you're not a slave. So what are you? You're holy because He is holy, you are God's children that has a culture. God has a culture. He has a way of existing. And we are part of that kingdom. And so this is how to live it. The commandments and the laws were helping them understand, oh, I'm not that. Oh, I'm this. Identity, how to treat other people, how to have possessions. These are things they'd never dealt with before. And spiritually, neither have we. And we need the ways of God to guide us to be set free from the ways of slavery. You know, when we're like, well, I, just, I don't feel like I want to do the things God says to you. And, you know, he loves me and I'm saved, so I don't have to. I would say that's kind of like way back here comment. Oh, I liked my fish. That's what it feels like to me. I do it. I'm not like pointing fingers. I am so there too. We get weird about stuff like this, don't we? We don't want to, we don't want to operate out of religion which is so good. We don't want to operate a religion. The problem is, we're throwing out God's ways with the bathwater. Aren't we? God gave us ways because they're good, they restore us back to holiness, which is our initial, original identity. And then they made the golden calf. <laughs> you guys. Well, Moses went up, and we see flashes of lightning up in the mountain, but, you know, it's been a few days. Here, melt down my earring, and let's make something to bow down to. That's what they did. They pulled out their earrings (laughs) and melted them down into a golden calf and worshipped it. Do you know where they learned to worship golden idols? Egypt. They had seen with their eyeballs all the things, and then they were like, idea, let's make an idol. What? Us too, right? Like so us too. I trust God, I trust God. Also, worshiping money feels good, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Also, bowing down to my addiction. That seems right. Yeah, I enjoy that. You know what I mean? We do this so fast. This is why we need this journey of sanctification. We're made upside up, beginning the walk with God, being made holy, being sanctified as us being made like him. All right, friends. <laughs> Yahweh Makadesh the god who sanctifies you is inviting you to a journey whether you've been walking with him for a long time or whether you realize right now that you've only ever been sitting in righteousness if you've never really ventured out into this journey with him he is inviting you to come what it means is purposing to go there with him i wish i could be like and here are the five steps Here's how you do it. Wake up in the morning, set your alarm for five. That's the holy thing. <laughs> my husband should be laughing right now. Eight. <laughs> I wake up when my kids wake up. That's the thing. Any, any other mothers of littles? That's the thing. But we make ways to be holy out of our own golden calf bowing ways and go, clearly, this is how to be holy. I got it. I'm gonna do it this way. Which leads to comparison and judgment and pride and shame. So we're just back in slavery. What this is about is a relationship. Holiness is not something we do to in order to become holy. Holiness is something we do to see that we are already holy. So we have to get into this like habit of being God's people, like, like aware of it. I don't think they knew what they were doing with that golden calf. I feel like there may have been, like, one or two people in the crowd that was like, you guys, I don't think we should. Who, is this a good idea? I don't think this is a good idea. But not enough people. So here we are, the people of God, We've got to do this for each other. You guys, I don't think we should bow down to other things anymore. Should we? No, we shouldn't, right? How about we, like, make a pact? No more bowing down to false gods. Who's in? Put your hands in. One, two, three, go team. Like, at some point, we're going to have to work this out as a community as well as individually. Because here's the deal. On our own, we're not very good at this. Are we? Bless you. I heard that spring sneeze. I'm gonna read some scriptures. Just want you to let them soak into you. I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, to righteous living, leading to sanctification, which is holiness. Now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live A beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised you, your soul's victory. So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father, and he won't let you get by with sloppy living. If this part of your faith walk has not been at the forefront of your mind, let's change that. Let's change it as a community and as individuals. We're not alone. Yahweh Mekadesh is leading you through. If you feel like you're here and you're like, excellent. <laughs> what does this look like? Practically give me something. I want to recommend that you read the book of Colossians. Okay, it's in the New Testament. It's a letter to a church and it has some great... Um, insights about living God's ways. And it's short. It's a pretty short book. It's a great starter point. And if you have been walking with the Lord for a long time and you're like, Colossians, I don't don't remember that one. Hit Colossians. Pull that out. Make Colossians be your heartbeat this week. And here's the thing. As we read God's word, which really is, you guys, this is his manual for sanctification. We cannot get there on our own, true? If we think that we can get by being God's kids without being people of this book, we're wrong. Our efforts do this, melons, cucumbers, fish, (laughs) that's what we slide back to, isn't that true? So you've gotta get this into your heart, get it into your mind, do whatever it takes So set a challenge for yourself. Reach out to someone and say, hold me accountable. I am reading Colossians this week. I am making it happen. It's short enough you could read it this afternoon. You could read it every day for the whole next week. Every day, Colossians. It's doable, right? Don't you think, Kevin? Colossians. Who's in? Who wants to read Colossians this week? Let's like dive in. Let's work out. You guys, work out. Out your salvation with fear and trembling is what the word says and that's what we're doing. Not fear like, I'm afraid, but like fear that if I don't get this right, that I would be enslaved again. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a warrior thing because today's a great day for a battle. So, add this into your life that you would say to God, Yahweh mekadesh God who makes me holy. I am your child. I am not a slave anymore. I am in the wilderness with you, and I'm happy about it. Bring it on, God. Give me the manna. I know it's terrifying to pray that. But you want the manna, guys. The meat won't get you to where he wants to take you. Josh was a javelin thrower. Very good javelin thrower. There's a thing about javelin throwing that involves your hips and you have to like twist them at the last minute. It's like a thing. So if you ever watch them run, they like run kind of sideways and they plant a foot and then they like twist their hips and it gives them the um, energy to throw the javelin out. Does that make sense? How am I doing, babe? I watched you. We were newly married. So I spent a lot of time at the track with him. So he's almost self-taught of the javelin because he's from a small town on the Oregon coast and he didn't have a throwing coach. Um, and then he went to a small college um, in the area. I don't want to throw them under the bus. They didn't have a throwing coach. <laughs> so, and this was before the internet. So you couldn't YouTube javelin things. It wasn't a thing, okay? So on his own, he's, he's like getting books out of the library of how to throw. Like he's, he's trying to make it on his own. He got pretty far. He was working out like every day. We both worked at the the YMCA so he could like work out for free because he had to lift tons of weights every day, focused, running laps, tracks. I mean, all of the exercise. It was difficult to watch. Um, (laughs) 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 He had this incredible opportunity. The throw coach at UW invited him to come for a clinic. He got one day of coaching with the UW throw coach. I got to go and watch. It was cool. It was in the football arena and everything. It was really cool. That next meet, which was like, did you like meet with him like Monday or something and then you had a meet on Saturday, something like that? That next meet, he qualified for nationals. This, this unobtainable goal that he had had that nothing within his own research and his own practice and his own efforts could have gotten him there. One clinic with a coach, who knew what he was talking about, and he threw for nationals. That's what God is offering us. We get a clinic with the Master. Holy of Holies wants to strip you back to holiness. Do you get it? All of the efforts we do without Him won't get us anywhere. Let's stop it. Pursue holiness in relationship with Him. You know what I'm saying? Also, I feel like in our like, armor of God, I feel like we should add a javelin. Yeah. Does that sound good, friends? We are wrapping up our series to know him. We only have one more week. I can't believe it. It's crazy. But I love what God has done in our lives. I am just loving the stories that you're sharing with me about the things that God's been revealing through his names It's been so good. Let's not slip back to our old ways. Let's take communion. Yahweh, the one who makes us holy... Thank you for coming to earth and walking this life and dying for us in our place. That you set us upright and you make us righteous. Thank you. We can do nothing to earn our place with you. Thank you that by your body and by your blood, we are set free. But God, additionally, we take your body and we take your blood and we say we're in. We were in on this journey with you. We say yes to the wilderness. We say yes to the manna. We say yes to your lessons. God, help us to set aside the cravings for our slavery. Give us a vision and the courage and the strength to walk in holiness with you, God. Let us not be afraid to stir this up in each other, not out of judgment or comparison, but because this is the meaning of life. We take this communion, God, and we say yes to you.